something we hope you'll really like. And yes, nearly 100,000 people packed the Rose Bowl on January 2nd, all to see Adam Maya. And he's going to tell us why. I think he can figure it out. The TrojanSports.com podcast, Rose Bowl postgame edition, kicks off right now. No, no, I don't know. You said cock a doodle doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Move it on. You love 33. You better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sports. We start March. Yeah. And yes. And yes. Your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You say classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I said, I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. <laughs> I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's a touchdown. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista, Chris Morales. 49-49 tie, five seconds left in the Rose Bowl game. Matt Bormeister from the 36-yard line, just inside the far hash mark to try to win the game. Again, the holder Schmidt, the snapper Smith. The lines are set, the snap is back, the place is down, the kick is away, it's got the distance. He's got it! And it's good! And there's no time on the clock! The scoreboard clock reads 0-0-0! Zero, zero, zero. And the Trojans have won it! The Trojans have won it! Oh, wow! They're coming off the sideline! They're coming out of the They're stands! mobbing each other! <laughs> this place is going crazy as the Trojans have come back in the fourth quarter from down 49-35 and left for dead. And on a field goal of 46 yards by Bormeister, the Trojans have won the Rose Bowl 52-49. to How do you do? Yes, as the man says, and as Pete Arbogast says, your USC Trojans, Rose Bowl champions, 52-49 over the Penn State Nittany Lions in a classic game. Many people today on this Tuesday, January 3rd, 2017, jumping off the roof saying that might have been the greatest college football game ever played. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but I know I enjoyed it. I was giddy like a schoolgirl. Last night, watching the game, Adam Maya was freezing his buns off at the Rose Bowl to take in all the action for Trojansports.com. He is the editor and the beat writer of Trojan Sports. Adam, have you thawed out yet? Yeah, but it was the coldest kickoff in about 40 years. Yeah, I read that in your postgame notes. Plus, I could just I just knew it's been it's just freezing in Southern California. I know for people listening in the East Coast and across the country that listen to our show, you're thinking, gosh, you guys really need to man up. No, I'm just always cold right now. A man who's never cold because he never leaves his house, publisher of Trojan Sports, Chris P. Swanson. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How do you know me so well you know that I'm a hermit? I love the names you were called after our preview show. I mean, I think Chode was a name. Different things you were called. Chode when, was a name. Yeah, I really enjoyed that one. That's not an appropriate name. No. 
And our friend C Win uh, sixty nine uh, was actually a little naughty in one of his posts about me. I, I don't know. I don't know if he if he really is attracted or not. I, I guess we'll have to find out at the next meet and greet from uh, Trojan Fan sixty eight. But anyway, uh, you I really were, enjoyed that previous show. By the way, the previous show was good. Yeah, I mean, we really got some good perspective on Penn State. <laughs> <laughs> We all might have missed that Penn State had an... I did say they had a high-powered offense. I didn't realize it was that high-powered. I believe I said they would score 17 points or 21 <laughs> points. I don't remember exactly. So, you know, they did that in like one of the half. So it was fine. Um, but a game that obviously blew away most of our predictions. Um, it completely blew away Chris Swanson's in the sense that USA actually won. But <laughs> Penn State... It blew, it blew away our other preview show. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty good. And it, an incredible game. I mean... What can you say? We're going to try to say a lot of it in the next uh, hour or so. But uh, for me, as a USC fan, what a thriller to win like that. And uh, just incredible to come back. Obviously, I said that USC would route a two-touchdown win, and it looked that way when the game started. I was excited. I thought I was going to be the only one that was correct. And then, of course, that all changed in the second half. Sam Darnold with an incredible Rose Bowl uh, performance, really one for the ages. And and the whole team really stepped up. And we, we, we got a name of a, a wide receiver that not a lot of people had thought of going into this game, which actually, for me, I know today, I feel good going into the future because I know that was a conversation we've had in the past. It wasn't Juju Smith that we were hearing about like we were uh, Burnett, and I think that makes me feel good. It just the, the, the way the team performed, and I guess with that, I'll, I'll give it to Adam Maya, who was actually there. I wasn't. I was at home. Yeah, I, there was so much to take away from this game. It, uh, it's almost hard to, to process everything. But Deontay Burnett was a, a shining star. And as well as he played, I think it comes back to Sam Darnold. I think that he makes everyone better. And I try not to get too ahead of myself, but I'm very picky with quarterbacks. I'm pretty critical with quarterbacks. And... I'm confident in saying that when Sam Darnold ultimately finishes his time at USC, he'll probably be the best quarterback that's played there. He's that good. There's no doubt that many people said that as he started to light it up in the season. I know Keyshawn uh, was one saying that. Sean Salisbury has said at times on this show that that could definitely be a possibility. But I think especially after last night's performance, if he can keep it up and the team around him can keep it up and the Clay Helton and the coaching staff can keep it up, there's no reason why he couldn't be. And I think that's for sure. Chris Swanson, do you agree? I, I think he's the best quarterback USC's ever had. Oh, you're already going to say it. Okay, that's nice. I, in terms of his talent. He makes throws that I, I just can't even believe. I mean, honestly, this team, a bit it kind it kind of reminds me a bit of Louisville this year, or maybe Vince uh, Vince Young with Texas, where it just feels like he just takes over and wins and is the team. And I haven't felt that way with another USC quarterback really in my entire lifetime i've pretty much have always felt like if usc lost their quarterback well he's really good and he's going to be one of the top players taken in the draft or whatever they could probably replace that guy and be just fine and be pretty much the same team sam Darnold is usc's entire offense i've never seen anything like it he single-handedly won them that game penn state 
was up 14 and couldn't score anymore. And Sam Darnold said, you're not going to score anymore with that defense. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It doesn't matter. You know, you better score some more points because 14 isn't enough late in the game. He won that game. He's the best quarterback USC's ever had. He, he can he can win anything. If USC is in a game where the talent is about equal, they're going to win because they have Sam Darnold. And there's no quarterback that can be as good as him. I think that really one or two in the country maybe that might be as good as him. I'm just guessing because of the Heisman hype and everything that everybody said about them. But I really can't imagine that anyone's better than this kid. Adam Maya sent me a text earlier today. I'm going to give him credit. Uh, of a video of Sam Darnold making that throw to tie the game. We threw the ball in between two safeties in such a fashion that Kirk Herbstreet said something on the tel- on the uh, you know the TV uh, broadcast. And looking at the replay, it really is true. Why would he even make that throw? He makes plays where he he does things where it's like, oh, don't do that. Oh, wait, you're Sam Darnold. It's going to be a touchdown. I've it's it's he's su- such a rare talent. It's. That's what I took away from the game, really. I know that Adam said there's a lot to take away from this game. What I took away from it was Sam Darnold is the best, and he just won the Rose Bowl. Yeah, looking at that play specifically, the touchdown to Deontay Burnett, Deontay broke off his route, and Darnold picked up on it. And as you mentioned, he threw it between two safeties over a cornerback. He threw it into a spot where... Matt Leinert's not making that throw. Mark Sanchez wouldn't make that throw. Carson Palmer would want to make that throw and probably try to make that throw, but he's not as accurate as Darnold, and he doesn't make decisions as quickly. And so it's just a... It's a thing to behold. I, I suggest looking at it. It's on ESPN. Um, th- that's where, where I found this clip. If you look at the box score from the game, it's uh, in the in the video archive from that game, and it was like the eighth video posted. And you, you see the camera from the back where Darnold buys a little bit of time and then steps in the pocket and... Again, there are two safeties that are that are in the vicinity of Burnett. And so what Darnold does is he gives a slight hesitation where he kind of steps to the left and turns his head a little bit, and then he flicks it back toward the middle where Burnett is going to end up. And that froze the Penn State safety Marcus Allen just enough where Burnett could jump up and catch it and then take the hit. I I don't know, but maybe four or five quarterbacks on the planet that can make that throw. That's an Aaron Rodgers play. And I don't like comparing anybody to Aaron. And so I'm, I'm not really trying to compare Darnold to Aaron Rodgers, but where he's at at the college level, that's how he plays. He's just so far ahead and can do so many things that we have not seen from a USC quarterback. 
we think of the guys that have been there in the last 15, 20 years, and most of us are very familiar with them. I had a chance to cover basically all of them outside of Carson. I went to school at Carson, and I watched him up close, but I didn't cover him. I covered the other ones. And and so I don't say this lightly. I, I'm not looking to just throw Darnold out there and and be in front of this. I'm just in awe of what I'm seeing. And I know that I haven't seen it before in watching USC football. You know, it's not only the plays with his arm, too. It's it's the extension of plays that really it's it's such a it's such a difference maker for their offense. I I think of plays where he should be sacked and it's okay the wor- the worst case scenario for USC when the ball's in his hands is an incomplete pass. I think of that jump pass early in the game when he's basically jumping out of a pile right. of four tackles. He got hit by like three or four people and threw it at at his receiver's feet and honestly his receiver could have made that catch. It was a hard catch. I'm not saying he should have, but it's like wow, like you just took a play that was dead, and you you gave your team a chance to gain yards all the time. He did it again the on the time. two-point conversion, which they had to have because if they don't get it, then they're still trailing by two possessions. And yes. he saved that play as well. And then in the fourth quarter, he went 10 of 10 for, for 135 yards and the game-time touchdown. Which it to me is that's right. That's when the lights are on. That's fourth quarter. I mean, we used to look at Cody Kessler's stats in the second half in meaningful games, and then the fourth quarter in meaningful games. And this kid's on a different level. He's just he, he's, he's yeah. Let's not even mention his name. It, well, I get it, but it's, it's Sam mentioned. Darnold is an all timer at USC, yeah. and I I think he will be the greatest quarterback that has ever played there. I think he's already the most talented. I really do. College quarterback, I don't know about pros. I don't know if, you know, when right. he gets to the pros, if he needs to be 6'6 six, six and 250 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know college. He's I the best sure college that, quarterback they've had. I want to make sure that there's context to what I'm saying, too, because people are probably indignant hearing what we're saying. Matt Leiner had the best career for a USC quarterback, and I really doubt that he'll be topped. Sam Darnold's not topping that career. Liner won two national titles, played for a third, went 37-2, and two, won the Heisman, finished third in the Heisman another year, and finished sixth in his first season. Darnold's not doing that. He's not going to top Leonard's career. But and I don't know that he'll be a better pro prospect than Carson Palmer was coming out of USC. Obviously, he was the number one pick, but he he'd been slotted uh, as a, a prodigy well before he even got to USC. I don't know that Darnold is that guy, but I just think that he's a better player. I think he's a better player individually than both of them. Well, if Jared his, Goff can be a number re- one pick, realized talent. I don't know great. if he keeps this up. I don't know why Sam Darnold couldn't be a number one pick in a few years if he keeps this up. I mean, honestly, and. Everyone who wants to say already USC should be a lock for the CFP next year, obviously, who knows what happens. But let's say, and I I hate to play this game, let's say we lose to Alabama, but Sam Darnold was the starter, and this team is a one-loss team. Now, we are playing in the college football playoff, and who's to say it didn't go our way, potentially? All I'm saying is, who's to say that this couldn't, why he couldn't potentially have a Matt Leinart-type career? 
still two possible seasons to win a championship, right? And at this yeah, level, yeah, he's, the the whole quarterback decision from this fall, it it it, it altered. It probably altered. You're right. Sam it altered career, but Max Brown yeah, forever. Yeah, and it probably altered so, that historical standpoint where he probably can't top Matt Leinart, maybe just tie it, and it would have to be perfection the rest of the way, and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I know your point. Yeah, I'm just saying, you really are. he is, I, for a freshman, and to, really that play, I, the, the key about that play, more than just the actual fact that he pulled it off, is the receiver he pulled it off to, and at the time in the game that he pulled it off. Yeah, with 100,000 yeah. people. You didn't even people, mention that, you're right. right. The ice water in his veins... After that interception, it's like, okay, we have a chance, but we still got to do this. Okay, there's still a chance we could do this. There's still a chance. I didn't have this complete, oh, it's done. We're going to tie this game. We're going to pull it. But for him to be able to have that ice water in his veins at that age, in that pressure moment, with the type of season that it's been already, 100,000 people. It doesn't matter that you're in Southern California. Incredible. Incredible. This is why I don't, this is why I don't like comparing the career to Matt Leinart. And, and this is because the team – is a difference here. Okay, so yeah. you mentioned Sam Darnold's ice water in his veins. This is this is how good the kid is. When you, when Penn State punted the ball back to USC, USC has the ball now. There's a minute 20-something left, I think, mm-hmm. or maybe two minutes. Something well, they, like they, it's like 150 when they okay. started to drive. Yeah, 150. They get the ball back. 159. I tweet, I tweet, Sam Darnold has the ball with less than two minutes left. Where do I place my bets? And I post in our game thread. <laughs> you, I swear, post in our game thread. You could go look. USC has the ball. Sam Darnold's a stud. He's going to score. No problem. I knew they were going to tie the game. That's how I thought. This is not – the team around him is not a national championship USC team. Let me take you back to 2005, my feelings on that game. They're playing Notre Dame. They have the ball. They're down. They need to score. I did not think USC is definitely going to score. That's one of the best offenses of all time. At that point, I'm thinking, hopefully they score against Notre Dame, right? I'm a fan at that time. I'm 15 years old. I'm worried. Sam Darnold gets the ball. They're scoring. Yeah. No, no problem. Totally different teams. I, if, if you put Sam Darnold, th- think of what that Rose Bowl against Penn State would have been like if Sam Darnold had that offensive line that USC had back then. Reggie Bush, Lendale White, Steve Smith, Dwayne Jarrett, those tight ends in that defense. They would have beat Penn State, honestly, 77 to 3. They would have, they well, would have ran defense. them. What do, you mean, what do you mean now? With, oh, go with five oh, defense? Okay. Yeah, I'm saying, but a defense in that. T- but Matt Leinard, right? Bookends yeah. around that. Or the the 0 3 defense. Yes. Yeah. With, I'm saying with those players, those players that yeah. we think about when we think about that era, they would have beaten Penn State by 50 points. Honestly, it wouldn't have even been close. Sam Darnold at that time period, I would think he would go thirty nine and zero. On it, I can't imagine him losing with that much talent around him. I just can't. He just he has this this kind of aura around him. This kind of like Tom Brady, Payne Manning, kind of like this guy is going to win. Bet on Sam Darnold. You know, at the NFL, sometimes you you look at games like that because you think like top teams. Okay, they're so close everywhere else. We're betting on quarterbacks. I think sometimes people think that way, right? We're betting on quarterbacks because mm-hmm. that's the difference. I feel like with Sam Darnold, you don't have to worry about the teams, right? As long as they're kind of close. If USC is the better team, they're going to win now. They have Sam Darnold. If it's close, they're going to win. It's Sam Darnold. A team needs to be significantly better than USC to beat USC with that guy. 
That's yeah. he's that good. He's he yeah. he elevates them to a new level. That's why I brought up Louisville and Lamar Jackson, Texas with Vince Young in 2005. Those are examples of what it reminds me of. He's brought USC. They're a very similar team to what they were last year when they went eight and six with the guys around him. He's sure. brought that Holiday Bowl team and elevated them to a top ten Rose Bowl champion. Yeah, I caught up with quarterback coach Tyson Hilton for a moment after the game and he's a pretty measured guy and that's why I like talking to him and so I asked him how Darnold was able to remain calm especially in that fourth quarter when they're down by two touchdowns all year all season that we've yet to see Darnold rattled uncomfortable nervous anything like that and this would have been the time where it it should have happened, and you wouldn't blame him for it. And he played his best football. And so I asked him how he was able to remain calm, and I think his answer is very telling. He said, "God just blessed him to be a great player, and all the great ones, no matter what happens, they just stay composed and keep playing. They always think they're going to win the game at the end, no matter what, and that's what he has." Close quote. So, because Darnold's so good, and he knows it, then he's not worried. And that actually makes sense. If you know that you're that good, then there's nothing to get nervous about because you're involved. I mean, that, that's that's like LeBron. <laughs> you know, that that's that's LeBron. Like, there aren't there aren't many people uh, in in sports where their confidence is so great that they can be at their absolute best when everything around them is chaotic and and maybe coming apart. The USC had allowed seven touchdowns in a row in this game. And it, it wasn't enough. I've never heard of a team winning a game after allowing seven touchdowns in a row. The only time you give up that many touchdowns in a row is when you're getting blown out. Not not in a game that's going back and forth that's essentially even. Even Alabama actually only had three touchdowns in a row. I've, it might have been at two different points, but they had three. Penn State had seven. They had four and four plays from scrimmage. And seven or four, yeah, four offensive plays and seven possessions in a row resulted in a touchdown. And so USC's down 49, all, all seven touchdowns were, were you know, in that, that two quarter period, second and third quarter. And so USC's down 49 35. And I thought it was over. I, I mean, I, no one really wanted to say that after the game. Uh, Stephen Mitchell. He said that, and and Chris Hawkins alluded to that. But the players were, as you would expect, going to protect their their ego about about what they were capable of, and and so they believed, right? Which it's much easier to believe after the fact. Not that they didn't have faith going, you know, going into that situation, but you start looking around and you're giving up seven touchdowns in a row. And while you might believe in Sam Darnold being able to score points, if you're not able to stop them, that's irrelevant. 
So I think Darnold broke Penn State down. I think he demoralized them with what he was able to do. And uh, and and even in that fourth quarter after USC tied the game, I'm thinking, okay, Penn State should run out the clock and play for overtime. That just seemed obvious to me. And Penn State panicked. And they start throwing down field and, and nearly threw an interception the moment before they ultimately did to Leon McQuay. What are you doing? They wanted no part of Sam Darnold in overtime. They, they needed that field goal right then and there. And so they're, they're playing reckless in the fourth quarter, essentially, you know, on the road at, at, in USC's backyard after putting up 49 points and leading nearly the entire second half. Just a, it was a strange approach, and it, it all comes back to me, to, to Sam Darnold and the pressure that he puts on, on the opponent. Yeah, no, because it, it wasn't enough. You know what I mean? We Like you said, you thought it was over. I thought it was over. Everyone thought it was over. It looked like Penn State. This is, this is what the game felt like to me. Penn State had a te- like an all-time terrible first quarter, like one of the worst first quarters you could possibly have in the history of the Rose Bowl. Their quarterback basically didn't complete a pass. I think he went like one for six in that quarter. Yeah, he had, he had two yards passing. He was a yeah. two-yard pass at the end of the quarter in the final Through play. two picks, I believe, set USC up in territory. So it basically felt like Penn State came out, kind of cropped the bed, for lack of a better expression, and handed USC 13 points, said, here you go. Then it felt like they got settled in and they were the better team. That's what it felt like before Sam Darnold came back because – Well, they were for right? two quarters. Well, exactly. Doubt. They, they hit the gas and USC basically had their 13 and then you know a couple other scores or whatever. But Penn State was all of a sudden like, we're here, we're scoring. And it felt like, wow, if they came to, to you know play from the opening kick – like, USC's not even in this game. Like, they're way better than USC. That's how it felt. But they left that door open. They left that window open, and that's how good Sam Darnold is, is they left him 14 points. Like you said, they they left it within range, you know? And yeah. he came back, and that's why they panicked, is because they said, oh, my God. You know, we basically put a nail in USC's coffin. We dropped 49 points on them in this game, and this kid's going to score 50. You know, he's just going to keep coming and coming and scoring and scoring. He hasn't – he's completed every pass this quarter. That's what the coach is thinking. We have to <laughs> score. Yeah. We have to score. And that's why Leon McCoy got the pick, like you said, and that's why USC kicked that game-winning field goal. Because when you think about it, you think about college football games all the time, nobody with the ball that deep in their territory is trying to go downfield to score at the end of the game in a tie game. You're going to overtime. Even in a game like that, because it's like, okay, we'll keep scoring, and we hope that they eventually won't. But Penn State said, oh, Sam Darnold will not stop scoring. Our best opportunity is to drive the ball and try to score right now and win, because we have it. He scored, think about it, in 30 seconds in that drive. 39 seconds, 80 yards. If they had punted the ball back (laughs) to him, right? Like, let's let's say they had tried to run out the clock, and they give it back to him with 20 seconds. I think he's getting USC into field goal range because he threw the ball in between two safeties, right? To score a touchdown. Why couldn't he do that to get them into field goal range? He's a monster. 
He's a monster. By the way, Adam, before the field goal, did you feel that it was a little that we wanted? I felt like, can you get us five more yards? I was a little nervous with that kick. I felt that way too. There yeah. were some decisions and things that were <laughs> that were going to be hidden by that by Sam Darnold's performance in the win. There's no question. I think that there's a lot of things, honestly, that we could kind of go over and go, okay, like, but that was one of them, definitely. They had time to run a play, and we talked to Clay Helton about it this evening, and they did what he wanted to do, which was to gain about, he said, five and seven yards and get it on the left hash for Matt Borminster and kick from there. But they ran a clock down the five seconds before the timeout was called. They really could have run another play, an out-of-bounds play. And I, I understand where you guys are coming from. Um, well, I'm it, 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 I guess it doesn't matter because they, they made the kick. And obviously, it would definitely matter if they hadn't. Um, yeah, there were there were a few different things that I, I questioned at the time. Um, that was one of them. But um, I, I still think that we're seeing a rookie coach. And that's why I think we probably have underrated him. As much credit as we want to give Sam Darnold, and I know that Swanson is going to uh, try to rip me up here, you have to remember that Clay Helton had not been a head coach prior to becoming one at UFC, where most coaches have done that at some level or at some point. And, and Helton's been around the block. He's not new in coaching but he hasn't made all of these decisions. And I don't think he got to make very many working for, <laughs> I want to say Harry and Lloyd, but, uh, <laughs> but Lane Kiffin and Steve Sarkeesian. So he, he's calling shots that he's never called before. And I think he's gotten better. I think that while this game was a bit shaky, he managed it quite a bit better than he did some of the games in September. Yeah, I, I mean, the, it doesn't matter. And, you know, we probably wouldn't have brought it up, I guess, if Chris Morales, right, didn't jump in and say it cause, because USC did win. But I do think about that kick, and I think, you know, if they did miss it, let's just say they missed the kick and they lost, it would be something that you'd look at and go, wow, you know, why? Because... Matt Bormeister missed, I believe it was from 51 and 49 earlier. Right. He did. You're giving him a 46-yard kick at the end of the Rose Bowl. After yeah. that. <laughs> now, he made it. He made it. He did. Gosh, that's a dang hard kick, right? Yeah. And a yeah. really, really tough situation, a high-pressure situation when you've missed 51 and 49. I think if he had missed it, everybody would have said, of course he was going to miss it. But he didn't, so it worked out. It was just... When I saw that, I said, wow, you know, because, I mean, 51 and 49, those that's really long. And I expect that's 50-50 even for the best of the best kickers. And I get that 46 is a little bit inside of that. But to me, when you're talking about 46, 44 is two yards closer. And it's probably right, like a quick little run play or something. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a huge difference to me. A 44-yard field goal feels much more well, you know, automatic than a 46. USC didn't have a timeout. They spike it, and then Penn State called the the ice yeah. and kicker timeout. No, they did not, and that's true. And that, right, and but, that might be something that you know where he was thinking if if I run a play and then I'm scrambling my field goal unit out there and we miss. It's well, he, here's the thing. I was standing right there, um, had an incredible vantage point. I was with, believe it or not, Marcus Allen, Ronnie Lott, Rodney Pete, and Mark Sanchez. They were all huddled up together, and I happened to be there as well. And I had a cool little moment uh, with them that I'll I'll tell you, and I'll, I'll share in a, in a second here. But um, we're watching this, and there were 27 seconds when – they started that drive after McQuay's interception and return. And they they did the run. They got five. And then they, they USC ran the clock down. They ran it down to five seconds, which Helton explained was the plan. He wanted about seven yards from that one play, and he got five. But his intention from the, 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 the get-go was to run that one play. Again, it, the way I'm seeing it, and you know, with the benefit of just being able to, to think about it, I would have planned two plays. Because you might not get the five on that one carry anyway, but um, even with that five, I'd like five more. I'd like to make it a 40-yard kick. I think there's a huge difference for college kickers when you're talking 40 and below and, and just 41 and above. And, and, and stacks bear that out. And so uh, Bormeister has a leg. It's not really about that. But the closer you get, the, the easier you're making it for him. And, and that really holds true for basically any kicker, especially in college. And so I think uh, – it would have been wise to to have some kind of quick out set up. Um, you really, if you if you were on top of it and everybody's on the same page, and given it, you give a veteran line that you're working with. You could have even run a, just another play, even if it was, you know, over the middle. Because in college, once you go down, the play's over. So if you throw this quick little hitch. And, the, and no one's tackling the receiver, but he's obviously not going to score. He can just dive. He can just catch the ball and dive right where he catches it. And the the ball will be set there. And, and you're going to run up and then you're going to spike it. So there was time for that. But it, 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 it's all a moot point because of what happened. Um it, what a game. What, so let me tell you about this uh, moment for a second. Darnold's driving them down the field. This is right before when they're trailing by seven. And as I mentioned, I'm, I'm standing with those guys. And it, it's nothing new. They're there a lot of the time. Maybe not all together in a bunch, but they're around. And you almost take it for granted covering USC. And so I, I, I just walked up to Sanchez and, you know, gave him a little hug because I hadn't seen him in a while. And, um, you know, we just, we go back. So he, you know, he, was, he was very nice and asked how I was doing. The other guys, I don't know. You know, I mean, they, they might have seen my face, but I, I, don't, I don't know them. They don't know me. 
So they're, you know, they're fraternizing during this drive and they're on pins and needles, which is always funny to me when you're thinking about legends of a game that have been in some games, whether in uh, at USC or in the NFL. And, and yet you could tell that they couldn't be more nervous about what's happening. And so they're as excited as anybody with what's happening with, you know, with the comeback. So we watch Darnold throw the incredible touchdown to Burnett and they're going crazy. And I mean, and these guys, you know, they, they've made their plays too. And just watching them get so excited about, about their alma mater and, and about, yeah, I guess for them, I don't know what that's like. Just probably it's very nostalgic, I imagine. You know, the way that they're they're watching this play out. But anyway, so right after the touchdown, I'm thinking, would they go for two? And I, I didn't really think that they would, but they could have. And uh, and so that's just what, what crossed my mind. And I look over and... Rodney Pete turns around and he turns to Allen and Lot and Sanchez and he kind of laughs and he's like, so, hey, are we, we going to go for two? And, uh, and he's all excited. He's giddy. And I'm, I'm standing right there and I, I'm like, I could put my arm around one of them. And so I just couldn't help myself. I'm like, yeah, I, I, should I go for two? <laughs> I just kind of like interject and throw myself in there. And because they're so excited, they just kind of, you know, give me a smile and, you know, like, oh, man. But I, I saw Pete look at me for a second, like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, I mean, like, I, I know who this guy is and that guy is and that guy, but who are you? And so That's awesome. Anyway, it, it was just funny. I mean, <laughs> I know I'm the odd man out, but I didn't mind. Um, yeah, I got a kick out of just watching them. Uh, experience that and take that in and um, it was just crazy on the sideline and I guess um, it, it all leads to you know the the feeling that USC looks like USC again but that's what it felt like that's what it looked like it's going to obviously have to be more than one Rose Bowl it can't be isolated it can't be 1995. I don't think it will be 1995. I don't think that this is just going to be there in the, in the middle of a decade of, of you know, average football. I, I think that they're on something. I'm not ready to declare them back, and I'll tell you why. They might be close to being back, they look like they're close to being back, but I'm not going to say that they're back. I'm actually going to defer to Lynn Swan. And that's the beauty of, of USC football is that there's always voices of reason that are within and around the program. And we, we caught up with Lynn right after the game. That whispering turned asked, me on, by the way. I'm sorry. I, I got really, yeah. like, my heart stopped because I didn't know, again, I didn't know what sound was coming through my headphones. I'm sorry to interject. Okay. I, hope, I, I hope everybody else felt that way listening. <laughs> Go Probably ahead. not. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Look, so, so the, we're asking Lynn, uh, 
what her impressions are of the season and what Clay Helkin's doing. And he said that he is giving Clay his full support and that he has throughout the entire season, even when when things were bleak in September. At the same time, he said, we're not back where we need to be. We're not at the top. They're, they're close to the top. They're going to finish, I think, just outside the top five. I know some people think that they might be four or five. I, I have a feeling that they're going to be ranked six, something like, like that, uh, just outside the top five. But uh, regardless, if you're not winning a title, then it doesn't matter really if you're four or five or six. But as Lynn said, they still have work to do. They still have a championship to win. And it's not the Rose Bowl, and it's not the Pac-12 championship, although that's going to be necessary, you have to imagine, to get in the, to the Final Four. But it's actually winning the whole thing. Even, winning the fi- even getting to the Final Four while it's a step, and that would be a big step for next year, they're not done yet if they just did what Washington did this year or what Ohio State did. And, and even this weekend, you know, or Monday, next Monday with Clemson and Alabama and that loser, you know, that, that's not where USC is supposed to be. They're not supposed to just go to national championships and, and then lose them. They're supposed to win them. And no one wins them every year. But the point is, that is what they're playing for. That that's what they're 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 like the Cowboys and they're like the Lakers in that way, and and so if they don't win a title, then it might be really good. They might have had a really good season, but they're not done. They're not back. By the way, well, Adam, Chris, oh, go ahead. To the go point, ahead, I know. I just I wanted to make the point because uh, we brought up Clemson, Alabama, the rematch nobody wanted to see. But to my point on the last show about how after this break, teams always come out off. Just look at Ohio State and Washington. Who yeah. had a, who had a worse New Year's Eve, by the way, Mariah Carey or Ohio State and Urban Meyer? <laughs> I mean, how bad was that by Ohio State? Wow. Anyway, I don't think Clemson's as good as Ohio State made them look. But anyway, Chris, go ahead. Well, I just thought, you know, I'm going to I'm going to skip a joke I was going to make because Adam took so long that it, it doesn't make sense anymore. But it was a good joke and it featured Adam's elementary school basketball career. Um, I think you should make it about Rodney okay. Pete saying, oh, weren't you the guy who played elementary school basketball? No, I that's good, too. But yeah. I was going to say that Adam's talking about the experience he had on the sidelines with those USC greats. I was going to talk about the experience I had a similar one at Alhambra elementary school, (laughs) watching Adam watch elementary school basketball and, you know, asking a former coach, should we shoot a three on the last possession here? And I said, yeah, shoot the three. And the coach looked at me like, who's this guy? Wait a minute. Hold on for a second. Did that actually happen? No. Oh, I was about to say, this is another thing I didn't get invited to. <laughs> you want to come to Alhambra Elementary School and watch Adam watch his former I'm always up for an school. outing. Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> hey, BYOB, dude. Um, 
Bring your own puddle? (laughs) I'm always up for BYOC, but that's a a whole other thing. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Where were we? Oh, yeah. I wanted to, since Adam was talking about USC's not done. They're not a national champion. I wanted to get everybody's take since they watched the Rose Bowl. USC played a top five team and won on where USC is in terms of actually, you know, competing for a national title. I feel like during Pete Carroll's years, there are a lot of Rose Bowl games where it felt like, wow, USC, they might be the best team in the country. Do you feel like USC is there competing for a title yet? Do you feel like that? I know, Adam, you kind of already said, I'm not sure they're back yet. I'm deferring, but I want to, do you see that there? Do you see that ability for them to take that jump next year and to actually compete for a national title? I, I wish I could say I do, but until we know more about who's going to play offensive tackle and who's going to play alongside Rasheem Green on the defensive line, those two positions in particular, uh, those were the two that that Helkin brought up uh, uninitiated tonight in his season-ending conference call as areas of concern for the team. And that's not even taking into account the expected losses of Juju and Adori, I think that they're better positioned to deal with those players leaving, although it, it will hurt. But we, we, we got to see a lot more from them in the trenches before I'm willing to call them a viable national title contender. Here's the thing. They're going to go into next season ranking the top five because of the way they finished, because of Sam Darnold. We already know this is happening. They're going to be in the top five. And that's fine. I mean, that's a bullseye. And, and most people that come to USC, they're, they're prepared for that. They welcome that. I don't think that's going to shake Sam Darnold because nothing else has. So... Uh, well, he'll have he'll be under a much bigger microscope and and have higher expectations placed upon him as a Heisman contender and you know maybe very quickly a Heisman front runner. That's not really what I'm worried about. I don't even see Clay Helkin necessarily buckling under that pressure. He's a pretty poised guy, too. You know, that's something that maybe we haven't covered enough. But he remains so even-keeled. Not that he's got the same personality as Darnold, because they're, they're different guys. But they're both a bit flat in a good way, where they just don't get too high and too low, and they don't change according to circumstances. And it suits them really well with whatever situation they're in. And so I think that Helkin will probably handle the situation well. I'm just more concerned about what they got, what they're going to throw out on the field. And I I know that it's probably not usual for USC football, you know, in this age. You, You always expect that they have the the advantage in talent. And maybe they do. 
but we just haven't seen that development on the offensive and defensive line yet where I'm convinced that they could put together the season that they would need to to win a national title. This year, this past season, they actually were, you could say, extremely close to being in the Final Four. Okay? I mean, it really comes down to beating Utah, and then they would have a rematch with Washington in the Pac-12 title game. So they have to play that game. I, I can't just give them that win. I think they would win. I expect them to beat Washington. But at the same time, they're not – you can't just put them in the Final Four. They have to win that game. But it goes back to not beating Utah. And part of the reason why they had so much trouble with Alabama, Stanford, and Utah – you know, there are many reasons, but one of the reasons that probably isn't mentioned enough is that they weren't good enough on the line. And those are teams that, you know, even with Stanford and Utah not being, not having their best teams this year, they still give you a lot on the line in the trenches. And, and that's not going to change. You know, USC has those opponents on its schedule every year. And Notre Dame is usually a team like that as well. So you're not going to just coast into the Final Four. Not with a nine-game conference schedule, not with their non-conference schedule. I like their schedule next year. I think it sets up favorably for them, but you don't cruise into the Final Four. And, and part of why they lost three of four this year was they weren't good enough on the line. And I don't know if they were good enough versus Penn State. It took an otherworldly effort from Sam Darnold to win that game. I think that USC was a little bit exposed in that game versus Penn State. And a really long kick by by Bormeister. Let's not forget that. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, there there were many clutch plays. Uh, Sorry if I I came off like I was only giving credit to Darnold. But I, I was trying to point out that they, had, they couldn't run the ball, and they had a hard time protecting Darnold, and they had a hard time taking Mick Sorley down and containing him. And a lot of that comes back to the offensive and defensive lines. And they're losing not only Banner and Chad Wheeler on the ends, but also Stevie Kui Kolovacu, who... I'm willing to say was their best defensive player this season. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Chris Morales, what do you think about USD's national title? Well, well, I think it's hard for next season for everything Adam just said, but also you've got to look at, you know, we saw teams not get, you know, Michigan, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, teams that people were debating whether they should be in the top five or the, or the national top four for the final four. So, those teams are going to come back. USC obviously has a, a great chance. I think it's, to put it in a, a better context, at least for me, I want to look at the current Final Four. I don't see why we couldn't be playing Alabama if we were in this Final Four. You know what I'm saying? In the sense of when you look at the teams that lost on New Year's Eve, uh, could we not have beaten that Ohio State team? We did beat that Washington team. So I think if you look at that, 
and again, it's hard to take that into next season because we've got questions. These other teams got questions. Who knows what other teams? You know, there's always that surprise team. For many people, Washington was the surprise this season to see them perform like they did. Nobody saw that coming. So I think we have a we, – we sh- if it didn't go the beginning the, the way it did, why couldn't we be a national championship team? Which means why couldn't we be a national championship team next year, if that makes any sense? You, you make perfect sense, and I, I agree with a lot of that. I wish that we could have seen USC in the Final Four to see what happens because I think that the bigger the moment, the better Sam Darnold plays. And and that's why if he starts the whole year, I think he accords himself really well, even in September. He he did. He he played a great game versus Utah in his first start. And so it, it's easy to me. If if that's his fourth start, they win that game. And I, I think they beat Stanford too. I just wish that they had that chance and and that's what they have to play for. That's what they still have to prove. You know, uh, us saying it doesn't really hold a lot of weight. And we, we cover USC, so naturally we're going to be biased. Yeah. But USC has to prove it. And they'll, they'll have that chance next year. Yeah, we don't have an Alabama to start the season next season. You know, we, we've got a, the, the Texas game, which everyone's excited about Texas with Tom Herman, but I'm not scared of Texas. you got a Western Michigan team that's obviously excited to play USC. They've had an incredible season, but who's to say that they're going to be anywhere near that that magic moment next season? So I think we've got a schedule that could open up. You know, we're not going to be punched in the mouth, let's hope, right out of the gate like we were this season with having to play Alabama in a neutral site to open up the college football season so yeah 52 to 6 loss at home to western michigan would really put it well that would that would that would that would definitely get chris swanson ramped up again and uh oh yeah he'd be calling for he'd be calling for he'd be calling for max brown to come back and clay Helton to be gone and be be bad hey for this game i had a custom penn state jersey made with a number four and brown (laughs) on the back of it just so you guys know Oh, you're a goofball. What what were you eating to watch the game? I want to know this. I was thinking about this last night. Uh, cookies and brownies? No, seriously. Well, uh, I don't remember. Was there like a Pizza Hut pasta? Was there? No, I, actually, I've been, I've been pretty bad, and uh, I got a couple like fast food gift cards for Christmas, and I just like have just been eating fast food. Pretty much everything. Because if you didn't get the gift cards, you wouldn't have gone to the fast food. Of course not. Well, it's it's just free now. So it's like, oh, it's free? Like, of course I should go there. And that's where I go. So don't judge me. Um, but before we end this show, I want to end on a really negative note. And I want to ask myself if USC can be a national title contender oh boy. next year. Um, Adam and I were texting before the show. And I, I think I texted him that this was going to be uh, the podcast where everybody hates me part. 12 they call it part 12 maybe it's part nine <laughs> i'm not really sure at this point there's been a few so sam darnold is of course the x factor that makes me think anything is possible with sam donald but looking at the rest of usc's roster i'd have to say no and this is why i thought the rose bowl was an eye-opening experience for me uh, i know a lot of people won't see this and won't feel this way Uh, But I saw it, and I feel this way, so I'm going to share it and make you all hate me. My whole life, 
I'm pretty sure USC has always won the Rose Bowl, even in the 90s. I was born in 1990, right? When they go to the Rose Bowl, they've won. Pretty yeah, sure. They've only lost the, oh, the Texas six one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my whole life, I watched USC in the Rose Bowl, and I thought, wow, they're the better team. And I never thought, you know, if they gave one player away to the other team, it would make a huge difference, right? I never thought, oh, if this, if, uh, if Michigan had Reggie Bush, they'd be killing USC right now. Or if Michigan had Matt Leinard and, you know, USC had was stuck with Navarre or whatever, it'd be a different game. I never, I never felt that way. I always felt like USC is clearly more talented at every position uh, in these games. And this is mostly based on the Pete Carroll era. Even that Texas game, I felt like USC was the more talented team. And Vince Young ran all over a USC defense that was banged up. It wasn't that good. And kept them in the game and helped them win it. It's team. amazing. After an amazing Rose Bowl, you got to make me feel the pain of that game over, all over again. I don't, I, under, I, I don't no, understand I, why you do this show after show, but continue. Oh, get ready, Chris Morales, because it's going to get better. I watched the Rose Bowl, and before Sam Darnold took it over, and Sam Darnold was the best player in that game. And it seemed when it seemed like USC was, you know, it was over for them. I was watching that game, and I'm like, and even after the game, even if you factor in when USC came back, Outside of Sam Darnold, the best players on the field were from Penn State. Godwin, Barkley. Barkley, that Barkley kid would start at running back for USC, in my opinion. And I know that that might be a debate because USC has some good running backs. But I think he would. I think Godwin would be USC's best wide receiver. I know that there's going to be some debate about that because of Juju Smith-Schuster. I understand that. Um, but I felt like, wow, these guys seem like they're kind of on a different level than a lot of the USC skill players. And I looked at the other positions. USC's offensive line got beat up by a Penn State's defensive front. They just did. They couldn't establish a run game at all. Uh, Sam Darnold was pressured constantly. It just didn't matter because he was Sam Darnold. Uh, I felt like watching that, I, was, I felt like, wow, USC would be a better team with Penn State's offensive line. And USC would be a better team with Penn State's defensive line. I also felt like Penn State's linebackers kind of factored in. I felt like Penn State's front seven was better than USC's. And Penn State's not a good defense. They're not known for being a good defense. Chris Morales even said before the game he expected USC to run all over them. I said that before the game. They're not a good defense, yet their defensive front to me looked developed and looked you know like a bunch of grown men in there. And I feel like sometimes when I watch USC's, you know, maybe not the starters, but some of the guys that, you know, maybe get in there or right underneath seem more like kids. It, it seems like there's less development there. I don't know if they haven't recruited those positions enough or if there's development issue. I don't know. I just noticed these things. It seems like USC's talent level from the Rose Bowl teams that I'm used to outside of the quarterback position ha- has dropped. I never remember thinking, you know, another player on the field, another running back, another receiver, you know, what uh, from the other team was the best guy. I never remember feel, you know, I never remembered thinking, gosh, that other offensive line, that other defensive line is better than USC's. That's concerning to me because Penn State to me is a very talented team, but they're not good because of those things. They're good because they have that explosive offense. And then so I think about, you know, Alabama Obviously, we saw the difference there when when USC played with those positions. Uh, And I think that Alabama reminds me of some of those Carroll teams uh, with their offensive line and their defense. I think of Clemson. Clemson, to me, feels like Penn State with a supercharger. 
on it. It's Penn State, but better in every way. Their defense is better, more talented, more athletic, more, you know, just guys. Their offense is better because they have the best quarterback in the country. These are the national title teams. These are the teams that USC needs to be like to compete for a title. Alabama and Clemson, not Penn State. Penn State's close. They're a good team, but they're not there. I don't think anybody in the Big Ten was. I think that's a scheduling thing. But I feel like USC needs to take a jump, another jump. I don't know if it's about recruiting. I know they recruit very well, but it seems like, you know, since Pete Carroll left, they've left some of the top guys in California on the board, and they didn't used to do that. This class, for instance, they're not going to get Darnay Holmes. They're not going to get Wyatt Davis. They're not going to get Jalen Phillips. There's are three five-stars in California. That's a big deal. Najee Harris. Najee Harris, that's a fourth one. They're not getting Haskell Garrett, the big-time defensive tackle from, you know, Bishop Gorman. As much as everybody loves Jack Sears, you know, they offered to attack Velo and Tate Martell before they got to him, right? They offered a few other guys before they got to him. There's a little bit of a difference there. So even though they're recruiting well top 10, and I, I always applaud their recruiting, I think, is that playing into it? And they also think player development, is that playing into it? Because I'm telling you guys, I watched the Rose Bowl. Penn State is at least equally as talented at USC at every position, uh, except for Sam Darnold, except for quarterback. That's why that was such a close game. I would argue that USC would benefit from having Penn State's defensive front seven, from having their offensive line, and honestly from having their running back and their wide receiver. That's a big deal because Penn State, while they're a good team, I you can't argue that they're better than that 2008 Penn State team that USC ran off the field back then because that Penn State team played more Big Ten teams, you know, beat Ohio State at 11-2 Ohio State, won the Big Ten outright, no controversies, one lost team, right? You can't argue that this Penn State team is better than maybe that Michigan team, you know, and, and it seems like the, the competition is much closer all of a sudden. It's much more heated, and I think that if USC wants to be back to where they're supposed to be, to where they were under Carroll, they need to take a jump with either locking down everyone in California, all these five-star guys, or maybe it's a development issue. I'm not sure. Maybe they're still you know, feeling effects from these 15-man classes. I'm not sure what the problem is, but there is a talent difference. There is. They won the Rose Bowl. They had a great year. They're a top-10 team. They're not what they were under Carroll. Every Pete Carroll team that played in a Rose Bowl was better than this one, man for man. It's just how it is. So that's what I'm looking for before USC takes that jump is I want to see the rest of the roster, mostly in the trenches, which Adam pointed out. I think it's mostly a depth thing there too, especially along the defensive line. I want to see those positions take a jump, develop, grow, more bodies, more development, more older guys before I think USC is that team. They definitely have the quarterback to be that team. And I think they put the skill position guys around him to be successful. I just think, you know, fix the trenches. And, you know, and honestly, that that game exposed me to that these skill position guys, while they're great, they're not the best of the best. There are other teams out there that compete with them. So USC has to, you know, fix the trenches, fix their offensive line before I think, wow. They'll compete with Clemson and Alabama because, honestly, right now, I don't see it. I think USC could easily be team number three. I think they could compete with anybody else, but Clemson and Alabama, I just think they're on a different level right now. And that's, you know, they're on a different level than the rest of the college football world right now. That's just how it is, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there are two things that are happening here. 
and we look at the roster, one, the juniors, redshirt juniors, seniors and redshirt seniors are still up coming from the three smaller classes from 2012 to 2014. So USC is still approaching only their third full class coming up. And until they've had four in a row, then they don't have the upperclassmen that everyone else is playing with. And I think that makes a huge difference in terms of, of depth. And uh, it, it's probably most noticeable on the defensive and offensive lines because those are usually veterans that play or, or veterans that are, are great. You don't see, you know, freshmen and sophomore offensive and defensive linemen being selected to All-American teams. Those are juniors and seniors. And, and oftentimes, guys that have redshirted their first year and, and really had time to, to ripen. So USC hasn't been able to, to work that way for a while now since the conventions came down, really, or at least since the, the scholarships were reduced beginning in 2012. So that's a, a five-season period now where they've been dealing with a disadvantaged roster. The other thing, I, I feel like that they're battling in with recruiting is they had so much coaching turnover where they essentially had four coaches over a three-plus-year period that they turned off certain guys because when Helton got hired, you couldn't be confident as a, as a prospect. You couldn't be confident that he would be there the whole time you were going to be there. There was no reason to believe that because... He hadn't done anything yet. He was brand new, and there was so much turmoil and turnover. While while these guys were in high school, they were a lot of them were probably recruited by Kiffin, and then by Orgeron, and then by Stark, and then by Helkin, and their respective staffs. Which there's some carryover, but there's also a lot of turnover there. You know, imagine being an offensive lineman a senior offensive lineman and USC's had a different line coach in each of the last five years. And so you've been recruited by maybe three of them. You're not coming to USC. Not yet. So they, they're, they're missing out on people that they would have gotten, not just because they, they haven't won a national title in a while, but because of of all the changes that that the university had to deal with in the football program, stability will go a long way. I think that as they replenish the roster with this signing class and they cement stability uh, among that coaching staff, it it won't take long for them to have the team that can win a national title. So this entire conversation that we're having 
we're applying it to right now and you know maybe 2017 that that this fall that season but i'm not saying that they shouldn't be right there competing for a national title if not by the end of this year then by next year or the the year thereafter they, 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 i don't think they're that far away they get, I think that by that time they'll get back to having the roster that can compete, and then it comes down to, you know, kind of how the quarterback situation lines up, right? Because yeah. it kind of feels to me like, unfortunately, they have the quarterback now that will win you the whole thing, and they don't have the rest of it. And it seems like when he leaves, they're going to be right there of having the rest of it. Yeah, and he might be leaving sooner rather than later. Yeah. Oh, without question. I mean, if he could leave right now, I would tell him to leave right now. I, he just threw <laughs> five touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, he, he's a he's a legend already. He's a legend I, already. I spoke with someone that knows him well, and he told me that Darnold is good for another year. Basically, if he has another season like he just did, that's it. He's Adam, you, do, you don't realize what you just did. <laughs> Remember what we did with Chuma Adoga? Yeah. It's going to be a whole year of... So Darnold's gone after this year? Adam, did you check today? Is Darnold still <laughs> gone after this year? Adam, did you ask him after practice in spring if he's still gone after this year? Get ready, Adam. Right. Well, hey, the good news is Shuma Doga, you know, for, from everything I'm hearing, is going to be at USC. It um, wouldn't make sense for him to leave at all. No, it never did. You know, and we were just reporting what we were told from people within the program. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't some random source or sources, actually. It, it's been multiple people, and this is really coming from early in the season and there was a lot of unrest and, and he wasn't the only one, but uh, now, you know, I mean, let's we're, we're in January now and uh, I've, I've had this conversation with uh, quite a few people and, and players, his teammates and to a man, they all basically indicated that, uh, he'll be there. He'll be at USC. And uh, it looks like they're going to need him at, at tackle. They need yeah. tackles, and he has the most experience right now on that on that roster at that position. So that's good. You know, I got, I got uh, one other question for, for you guys. Go ahead. And we okay. can close out. Oh, good. <laughs> How did you feel about this game being called the greatest Rose Bowl ever? Morales, please start, because I'll get in trouble if I don't have time to think uh, of a way to phrase this properly. I, I, gosh. I, I'm okay with it simply because of how it came down to the final, final seconds and the way that you saw... the. A, a high, let's be, just be honest, a high-scoring game is always going to make people feel so excited because of 
the, the amount of touchdowns we saw, the amount of offense. So that's one. Then the, way it, right. then the way it comes down to the end, the way USC wins in sort of a, a Cinderella season that really began very much like Cinderella and turned around in a way where people, again, this wasn't Nick Saban coaching. This wasn't Urban Meyer. This was a guy who, let's, we, I mean, I called him a dope. I mean, Chris Swanson called him a dope. He was the dopey sort of guy that then we wanted to root for that had this incredible thing. Sam Darnold being... You know, the, the the story there. So I think that that's probably why. Plus, it was a rematch of of Rose Bowl contenders from past days of, of USC, Penn State, and big-time schools with huge national following. So I don't have a problem with it being called the Ro- the greatest Rose Bowl. Was it the greatest Rose Bowl in my lifetime? I, you know, I, I'm sure I could definitely put it on that list as a USC fan, definitely. I mean, I'm sure Texas fans would say 2006 was the greatest Rose Bowl. But that had, I think you have to put it in two different contexts because this didn't have national championship implications. So, you know, had it, I think that makes it a little bit different. But straight up Rose Bowl of Pac-12 versus Big Ten, I think it's, I think it's up there on the list. I mean, I wasn't alive for, you know, the, the Rose Bowls in the, the 60s and the 70s, um, but I, I'm okay with it. All right. What about you? I, I hate the conversation of uh, <laughs> this is the greatest game ever when it comes to football and really a lot of sports uh, because football really aren't all the greatest games kind of the same. I mean, really, when you think about it, right, we can look at there's a bunch of games in history that you can look at and it's really always it's back and forth or somebody makes a huge comeback, right? So the, where the point where it's near the end and it's tied or somebody's trailing and it's close. And then there's a play at the end that wins it. Mm-hmm. That's the greatest game, right? Like that's the greatest game ever. I just described like everyone. So to me, I, I Chris Morales brought up the, the Texas USC Rose bowl that that's comparable because it, it came down to the end. Right. And there is a score at the end. And I think of a lot of, football games like that so to me it it doesn't really stand above the rest or above any others uh you know just because it was a great football game but you know just watching football my whole life i've seen games every year that are like that i mean even the orange bowl just days before was similar to it i don't think it was as good but it was similar you know and that was just a bowl game two days before i'm sure there were other crazy ones this season or whatever so I don't, I don't like that uh, conversation a lot. And the other thing, too, that – and I know people are going to get mad at me, but with the playoff system and the cheapening of the bowl games, that impacts it, in my mind, too, these greatest games because, you know, the, the Orange Bowl and the Rose Bowl this year were really, you know, two teams between – or two games between two teams from, you know, that um, were among the three best in their conference. It wasn't – Big Ten champ, Pac-12 champ, you know, national title implication. ACC champ, Big Ten champ, national title implications. It was different. So that also cheapens it where I feel like, you know, Texas, USC has to beat it because Texas was making the final score to win a national title. Chris Morales kind of brought that up before. But with football, I think that all these games are pretty much the same. I mean, they're all great. They're all exciting to watch, but... When you're talking about greatest games, they all pretty much are the same to me. The one that I think stood out really was Boise State, Oklahoma, 
just because of the marriage proposal at the end. And it just <laughs> oh felt like, no, because of that, it just felt like a Disney movie. It was like, this isn't even real life anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they're the underdog team that wasn't supposed to win. They came back, they won, they had the trick play. And then he proposed to his girlfriend and she said, yes, it's a Disney movie. It's cheesy. Turn it off. I don't even want to watch it in theaters. You know what I mean? That's that's what it felt like. It wasn't even real life. But almost yeah. every other football game just kind of ends the same. To me. So, but that's here's, my answer. Here's why I think that for all the points you made, I think this game stands out because they weren't really playing for anything, and yet it was still such a remarkable game. Texas USC. That was a national championship game. Both those teams felt that they were entitled to win the national championship as USC fans. In fact, I think only the state of Texas thought that they could come back in that game. The entire country thought USC was going to win that game. We all as USC fans thought there was no way we weren't going to win that game. Um, And Trojan War will definitely give you that sense of how exactly did we lose that game. We were going for back-to-back championships. So this game feels so special because it was so incredible and it really was meaningless. And I think that makes it even more special. Penn State fans felt they got snubbed because they were they won the Big Ten but weren't in the, the Final Four. USC, we didn't feel snubbed at all because this was a comeback that we never saw coming if you look at the first four games. And I think that's what makes the story when we look back at this game and Adam I is doing a podcast with the, the replacements of Chris Watson and Chris Morales 10 years from now, talking about how, <laughs> remember that season when it didn't really mean anything, but this rookie, not rookie, but this freshman quarterback came out of nowhere and marveled the Rose Bowl night, the chilly Rose Bowl night. And, and, and Penn State just kept fighting back, and then it came right to the end. I mean, that's going to make for an incredible story about this Rose Bowl game that, again, really in the grand scheme of things is meaningless. Yeah, and that's kind of where the conversation begins and ends for me. There's got to be more on the line. It was a really special game. It was memorable. I mean, I definitely will remember that game forever. It will just be up there with some of the very best games that I've been fortunate to attend. It's right up there with USC Notre Dame in 2005 and USC Texas in 2006. But if we're just talking Rose Bowls here, you can't put it above the national title game. That's silly. That's nonsense. And it really bothered me. It bothers me that there's this USC slant that's pushing that narrative because it's just convenient because USC won. Had Penn State won on a final second field goal, no one would be saying this. It's just because USC won and because USC didn't win versus Texas. But they're not even close. That game was that, that game involved a team that had won back-to-back national titles and had won 34 games in a row in USC and had two of the greatest college players at their position in the history of the sport in Matt Liner and Reggie Bush. And, and many other great players that were in that game, but just going into it, you had the Heisman winner and you had the previous year's Heisman winner. And then you had the Heisman runner-up on the other team who had won the Rose Bowl MVP the year before. And they'd won, I think, something like 
21 games in a row going into that game. And then Vince Young had arguably the greatest individual performance that we've seen in college football history to win that game. And while it didn't come on the final play, it was fourth and five, and he scored with 19 seconds left on fourth and five from the nine-yard line. So those 19 seconds that were remaining uh, don't spoil, you know, the how dramatic it was. And it, it's unfortunate that USC didn't win, but let, let's not, you know, let, let's have uh, – can we be one percent objective here you know, about this? I mean, I, I just feel like uh, it it's, uh, it it makes it, it makes it look bad if, if we're saying that. Well, there's been what this was the one hundred and third Rose Bowl, right? Right. Yes. That, that's another thing. It's, too. it's ridiculous too because how we're talking about we're just talking about really we're comparing two Rose Bowls that were ten years apart. You know what I mean? How many right. Rose Bowl games came before we can even remember when we were even alive? It came down to the last possession. You know, I, I can't remember the exact, but I think there was an Ohio State USC game that was like seventeen sixteen yeah. or something like that. Even it, right? Even yeah. if you want to narrow it down to just USC Rose Bowls, There's because more. they've been a part of thirty four. Okay, uh, it, it's still not the greatest USC Rose Bowl in for in a in a game in which they won. Uh, you're talking about the 1975 Rose Bowl, where USC won 18-17. They scored a touchdown with two or three remaining, and went for two, and they got it to win that game. And they went for two because there were ties at that time in college football, and USC was hoping to win the national title. There obviously wasn't a system setting up number one versus number two, but USC was ranked number five in the AP and Ohio State was number three in the AP and number one was Oklahoma who was on probation so they weren't eligible to be crowned the national champion and USC leapfrogged the rest of the group by beating Ohio State they won a national title by going for two after scoring the touchdown with two minutes left versus Akimo's ranked number three and and that's not even the lone instance of USC winning or losing a national title with the Rose Bowl. There, there are several. And so this one is incredible. It, it's probably the best game that a lot of these guys will ever be a part of. So I, I'm not trying to say it was just another game, but th- there's a reason why the Rose Bowl is the granddaddy of them all. It's not just because they've been playing it forever, but it's because they've had some of the very best games in the history of the sport. So let's just calm down on on that narrative that this was the greatest Rose Bowl. I wonder what the Trojansports.com podcast sounded like back in 1975 after that Rose Bowl. <laughs> it was awesome. Let me ask you, though. Yeah. If this game had gone to overtime and Sam Darnold won on some crazy final play by himself and then ran to the sideline and picked up a USC song girl and handed her an engagement ring and said, will you marry me? And she said, yes, on camera, and everybody started crying. Would it be the best Rose Bowl ever? 
Yes, it would be. Boise that would have done State, it. Oklahoma, that, yeah. Forever. So I blame Darnold for for not. Marry somebody already, Darnold. Yeah. Marry somebody on camera so we can make it a great game. Next time you have a game like this, get married, okay? Get engaged. Great advice from Chris Swanson to a young Sam Darnold, wouldn't you say? Do you realize that next year the Rose Bowl is part of the Final Four? Perfect. Did you know that? I no, did not. I, I, did I not. mean, I, I, I didn't know for sure, but I assumed that it was rotating in soon, right? Because it wasn't in it yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. It's every three years, yeah. and it'll be next year. It, it's a good target for them. Yep. You know? It, it, it's something that they're already thinking about all the time anyway. It, it's, it's always been one of the primary objectives. And you, you can remember Pete Carroll saying it year after year because he knew that they didn't really control their own destiny with the BCS rankings. But they could control getting in the Rose Bowl. And it just worked out that way where it'll be part of the final four. Maybe, maybe they'll be back. I'm looking forward to a final four of Texas, Washington, Western Michigan, and Notre Dame. What are you talking about? It's it's my joke. It's because they're all four on the schedule. I think that's going to wrap it up. All right, yeah. Okay, We're done with sorry, you. bye. Chris okay, Swanson has made it possible for us to fill the pain of 11 years ago. Even though we just won a Rose Bowl, it was incredible. But that's okay. That's what we do here for some reason. And Chris Swan and Adam, I took you all the way back to 1975. So, and I said no hope for a national championship next season. Don't forget that. Yep. You and forgot that. So. You're like Woody Page with the chalkboard on Around the Horn. You just write these incredible things. Like behind you, today's chalkboard would just say, Penn State recruits better than USC. Everyone knows this, right? <laughs> Like, you would just have these random, insane thoughts behind you. God wouldn't greater sign Juju. <laughs> right, exactly. That's going to be your bit. You need to get a chalkboard and just take pictures every day of, like, just r- the most in- insane commentary ever. Anyway. Clay, Clay Hilton owes Sam Darnold $5 million. Even though you didn't know it by listening to most of the show, he won the Rose Bowl 52-49 last night in Pasadena. And it was incredible. It was really special, but uh, we seem to try to make it feel not so special <laughs> for <laughs> so some reason. I hope I didn't do that. Because, no, uh, I won't know. Your Marcus just, Allen, Rodney Pete, uh, Mark Sanchez, OJ Simpson story really helped. So, have, have I it called it the Holiday me. Bowl North on the podcast? I'm around a lot of USC media, and it, it wrinkles me because, come on. Like, most of the people that covered this game last night, or at least watched it, were involved with the last one. A lot of the media, they they were at the other one. Guys, so, if there, everyone listening, better. if there is something going on special in your life, share it with us, and we'll make you feel like it's completely worthless within about, let's see, about an hour and 27 <laughs> yeah. minutes. We will just it'll, knock it down like- to bare minimum. It'll be like, hey, Adam and Chris, I just got married. Well, she's not as good as your last wife. Right. And Let's we'll have pictures to your to last it. wife. <laughs> we'll have slides. We'll reference things in 1975. It'll be great. It's Ten years ago, awesome. your wife was cooking you breakfast, and she was really nice to you. Why'd you divorce her, idiot? That's what we do here. Chargesports.com. 
Well, <laughs> uh, you know what? Okay, one other thing. Okay, one other thing. Okay. I think that there are better game to come for USC football. Okay. Okay. That's why. That's another reason why I don't want to make the world out of this game. Because what's their prize? They're Rose Bowl champions, and they're going to be ranked, like I told you, probably about six. If you want to make yourself feel good about this win. That's all you want? I think you want more than that. Go back and listen to the first five shows of the football season from Trojan Sports. Especially one of them. There was a special edition that Chris Swanson and I did during the week. Go back and listen to those. Go back and listen to those shows, and just think about how far we've come. Some of us on this show forget. I happen not to. You know, I just I need one more thing since Adam got his one more thing. Is it Adam like? She's like the girl. He's like the girlfriend. Like, if you're not good in bed, we'll just like make you feel better. That's only what I think of when I think of Adam Maya. Because we we co- I'm like, yeah, they're not gonna win the title. And you're like, yeah, this Rose Bowl isn't as good as the one 2006. And I was like, but you know what, guys, good things ahead. It's like you know what, great personality though, right? Now, see, I've never had that problem. I usually have the great performance, but you're just a horrible person. <laughs> Wait, Which is better? Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> okay. I'm the Jim McMahon of the whole uh, thing. I only anyway. believe half of that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Or Todd Marinovich, as we referenced last week for some reason. Anyway. that was. Hey, that's, that's Sam Darnold in the future. Get ready, guys. Oh, God. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Trojansports.com podcast. Please get that out. Congratulations. Congratulations, everybody, on the oh. uh, Rose Bowl victory. <laughs> and We apologize. Be sure to subscribe You're to Trojans. Yeah, you to like <laughs> more. Be sure to subscribe more because I don't really know why at this point. But, um, no, we've got a lot of offseason stuff. Obviously, we've got to replace some of these players. We've got to recruit. There's a lot in the offseason as we lead to a national championship season, hopefully, in 2017 for our USC Trojans. Subscribe to Trojansports.com. If you are hearing this and you don't subscribe, what are you missing? You know what to do. Cheaper than a couple cups of Starbucks coffee. Trojansports.com. And, of course, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search as Trojansports.com podcast. Always available on Audioboom as well. Or go into Trojan Sports, click in the other tab, scroll down, and it's right there, the Trojansports.com podcast. The season's over. No more actual games, which means that our fun and frivolity podcast may return. You may start to hear sound effects, everybody. You may start to hear music or Carlito's Way movie drops for no apparent reason. We'll see. We'll see how everybody feels about that. Give us Carlito! Yeah, give us your opinion. Why not? And, and two-hour podcast question boards where you guys ask five questions, even though we tell you one. It's all coming back to me, isn't it? As a, a young Celine Dion once said. Anyway, good night, everybody. Congratulations, everyone, on the win. It was incredible. It was one for the ages. Put a rose in your hair and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. If Sam Darnold flips off the UCLA defensive lineman next year, I'm going to say I told you so.